Why, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start, but let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ, and it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the was just thinking about it. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, last time we we uh, we talked, we we read through chapter two of Exodus here, and that just told us the birth, the upbringing, the crimes that Moses committed, and him fleeing uh, e- Egypt, and uh, ended up marrying a lady that he found on his uh, exile, his runaway Zipporah. Zipporah. So here we go into uh, chapter 3. We'll just start reading. Uh, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush doesn't burn up. So then he goes up to it and verse four says, then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look and God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Why do you guys think that he was afraid to look at God? What stories do you think that he's heard to this point that makes him afraid to even look that way? Well, I know, I know there's scripture that say that states that no man can look upon the Father and yet live. Do you think it's just out of... He knows he's done wrong. He knows he's taken a life and that he's... Like it's that righteousness thing. Like God is just so holy, so righteous. He just, his... That, that whole guilt comes yeah, his, upon him. Yeah, his whole conviction of his of his life up to this point, maybe. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I was thinking. I can't imagine just being out walking, you know, and stumbling across that. I was like, I'm not ready for this. And, you know, I'm sure all the bad things you ever did comes to mind and probably is pretty scary. Right, because he did have that um, that twelve years with his mom, and he he really endeared that to him um, because of it shows in his actions in the in the latter part of chapter two where he he killed the Egyptian for mistreating right, one of his own right, people. Right, and so he he knows that if this is part of his lineage, and this is the god of his family, like the god of my ancestors. Yeah, then there's that entire I'm not worthy. You know, I'm not going to look at you thing. Right. So you're saying he would have known about the stories of Abraham 
and Isaac and Jacob and what God did for that family up to this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse seven. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship the God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So he's like already trying to poke holes with God, saying, all right, so I'm going to go up and and, and see my my people, but why are they going to believe me that, you know? I, I, I find that this is so peculiar because we see that, like, okay, so 11 and 12, and th- this would be more of a practical application of what's going on here, but we see Moses in 11 saying, who am I that this happens? And in 12, God says, I will be with you. And then 13, he says, well, you know, who, who am I going to say who sent me? And then God says, I am that I am has sent you like, like he's God is very purpose. Like there's this excuse and it's not the real excuse, you know, like he's just, Moses is just bringing this thing up because he, I'm not, I don't want to say that he doesn't want to do it, but it's to him. This does not seem like a pleasant task. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. It, It sounds like a little kid actually not wanting to go clean their room. You know what I mean? It's just like, Hey, um, yeah, uh, there's something else on TV. Um, there's oh, Daddy, that, I gotta yeah. eat dinner first, yeah, and that, you know. Yeah. Do you think he was he was hoping for like some object rather than words? Like, so what are you gonna give me to let them know that I'm really coming from you? You know, do you think he's looking for a crutch almost? Like, you know, um, okay, let let's just say I'm gonna do this. How are they gonna believe me? You know. And then he's going to use words, and we'll find out here in a little bit that, you know, that's not even good enough for it. So do you think, and, and this is maybe maybe a little uh, obscure, but do you think he is thinking this God is the God that's powerful and going to crush them, or do you think he's thinking this is weird that God wants me to use words? 
Do, do you know what I mean? I think it's going to be God wants me to use words. Where's my like crown or something like that? Because you got to think he's he's hung out with the pharaohs. So the pharaohs actually had crowns. They had the gold paint and all this other stuff that they actually adorned. So you're saying he's he's almost asking God. And I guess you guys are both kind of going, kind of going off the same thing. God, what authority are you going to give me for this? Right. In it, order to get this to. It almost sounds like he's trying to reason with him like Abraham did. And, Ooh. you know, and it's not going to be like. You know, uh, you know, he's going to call God on his bluff and God's going to go, oh, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, you're, you're so right, Moses. Like, nothing you say will get them to believe you. I'll go find somebody else. You know? <laughs> yeah, what sticks out to me here is that it's like the first time that um, he kind of introduces himself with his name to Israel. And like what's there in the in the um, Hebrew is the, the like Y H W the Y H V H Yod Hey Vav Hey. And that's like the, the name of God that's, you know, in there in scripture, like 6,000 plus times. Um, And it's just the consonants. And that's where we get a lot of the Yahweh. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those different names. Um, But you know, it's like, this is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations and saying like, this is who I am. I'm this, you know, self-existent one, loving father to your people. So go tell them that this is who's coming to save you guys. Yeah, it was interesting listening to the differences in translation from Tom's uh, translation to mine, because mine actually says Yahweh. It doesn't say the Lord. Oh, cool. I tell, what what translation do you have? Yeah, I was just gonna say what, what version. Is it? Uh, I'm using the NLT, the New Living Translation. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one's more concept for concept versus word for word. Gotcha. I do like the ones that try to put his name in there. I feel like it's really a shame how most of our versions just say the Lord or say God because they're just very generic. When he says, you know, to to come in my name and use my name and, you know, my name will be a memorial to you, on you guys and you take my name and like, you know, I need yeah. to, I always have to remind myself, like I need to use his name. It's right. real name. <laughs> when, um, when we get farther like into the New Testament, um, lords and, and people of those titles, the only way you can distinct it is, is uh, the capitalization in, in the, the scripture. And so if you're being a pastor and reading this to people, you there's no way that you can utter a difference. You know, it's I am or Lord or God. So continuing on here, verse 16. Uh, Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. 
After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and you will plunder and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Did, okay, did, so oh god, sorry. Did sorry. that really just say the fact that they're gonna plunder the Egyptians? So oh, yeah. they're gonna actually like, hey, knock knock gold and silver, please. Oh yeah, man. Really? When when we get when we get to that part, when all the plagues are done, everything's all done. The Egyptian, or I'm sorry, the Hebrews will, li they literally do this. They go to the door and they, they literally knock on the door of their masters and they will say, hey, give me all your gold. And they will gladly give it to them because that, that's what scripture will say. They gladly just pour it on them because they know that their gods were not able to save them. Only the, the Egypt. Yeah. Isn't that like nuts? Like. That's I, I don't know. I would not classify that as plundering. I would not classify that as like just flat out, you know, fear, the fear of God in somebody where Right. Um, well, and like bribing them to get out of here. Like just take oh, whatever right. you want as right. long as you just leave. Right. Take whatever you want. Just get out of here, please. Cuz yeah, your God's scary and is doing scary things. So go. <laughs> It seems like God's demand from Pharaoh is a reasonable one to start. But then obviously God says here, journey into the wilderness. And then he says, but uh, the king of Egypt will not, go, will not let you go. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to smite him with my, with my wonders. So God's telling him almost the entire story of how it's going to happen ahead of time. Right. Um, also, the, the, the land of milk and honey. Um, they just are going through. They just had the um, the famine go through, right? So, would you say that it's sufficient to say that Egypt now is is not the the jungle that it was generations ago? That it could be um, now the the desert, arid um, place that you know we see it now. And so when they're saying flowing with milk and honey, it's like uh, prosperous for living for, you know, there's, there's uh, areas for the bees to pollinate. There's um, it's filled with life. Well, Egypt would be filled with life right now. Still, they may have gone through a time of famine, but they just had several hundred years to have slaves work the land back again. So this, this land would not, just a seven-year famine would not have destroyed everything. I think eventually the plagues are what's going to destroy everything. And inevitably, like, destroy it down to the way we see Egypt today. Egypt today is basically just a, a desert with a, a river that goes through it with, you know, a little bit of greenery. I like to call them um, rolling hills. Rolling hills. <laughs> They're rolling hills. But, no, and, and I, I, I think that the famine would have hurt them, but... Because they had the slaves, it, they could have brought their prosperity up to such a level that it would have been just, you know, amazing. But that, that's a that's a good that's a good observation though about that because I don't know, just milk and honey just throws me off. It's it's like because it, God is the one using this term, right? And so whenever God says anything, I, I don't I don't like to just take it as face value. It feels like there's 
a duality in yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, the purpose of the words. And I think this would be a really good um, side study because whenever you think of the, the land of Canaan, it's always milk and honey. And I thought doing a really quick Google search, but <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so it, that, that's really interesting because it's not the only time it's brought up. You know, every time you think of the land of Canaan, it's always milk and honey. Now, now, Susanna is gone. <laughs> and she's back. <laughs> and she's back. Susanna, well, you brought up, I am who I am, or I am that I am, depending on the version, but I, I am who I am is, is the, the, the version that I have. Dive into that a little bit more, because you kind of scratch the surface with the, he's this self-existent, God, the phrase that I've often heard was he's the he's the cause of all causes. He is the like cause of, of the universe kind of thing. Right. Well, from what I've heard is that they get that from looking at each. It's like how the Hebrew is very much the picture language. So like all that is in the all that is in the writings is the the four like consonants. So it's the Yod, hey, Bob, hey, I think I'm saying this right. <laughs> um, Yod, yeah, you're saying right. But so each one, so I think it's the the Yod, which maybe comes in, or part of that that comes in like twice. That's the like, the one that in the picture, you know, it, it its own story is that it's like the self-existent one. Um, and then just each, each letter kind of explains something else. So it's one of those things where like, different teachers kind of say it a little differently. Like everyone is just kind of trying, kind of trying to guess at exactly what it means. But I think the, the common consensus is overall, like the whole thing strung together is self-existent loving father. So do you think, and this is kind of for everybody, do you think that God made his, and I'll, I'll put in quotations, his, his name this way that there's so much uh, room for, I don't want to say room for interpretation, but this this room for just un- better understanding or bigger understanding than the way that we understand names. Do you think he did that because he wouldn't want us to worship the name, like the letters in the name? Do you know what I mean? Like I God wouldn't want, like if I were God, I wouldn't want people to worship the, the letters in this combination, J-U-S-T-I-N, I would want them to worship me as a being, as my character, not just the name. Do you, do you, do you know what I mean? Right. Well, and I think I know then, like, your your name was your, it was kind of your character. Like, right. that's how we saw with, with um, Israel, you know, and Jacob, or, you know, how I was always kind of changing, and Abraham, you know, as being Abraham Adam. changed to Abram. Yeah. So, like, they, um, and I've actually heard that, the hey so it's like the yod hey part so that's like the the breath of god kind of so like of most names that have like a abram was just abram but then it got added to abraham so it's that same letter as if god part of god's name got put into abraham's name and then you know so you have all of these names you see throughout scripture and you can tell you know the ones that like you know joshua is like yahushua so it's like the who part you know it's like the god so it's like the 
you know, God's salvation or they all mean, but it's like when they have that part of that name, you know, it's like God is in the name and usually God's working through that person, which is cool. But um, Jesus talks about I am. All right. Uh, John 8. Um, uh, starting off in verse 48, he's being um, interviewed by the. Is it Pontius Pilate or is it uh, the high priest? I believe it was. <gasps> no, it's a high priest. Yes. It's a high priest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in verse 54, Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I if I said I did not I would be a liar like you but I do know him and obey his word your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day he saw it and was glad and they said you're not yet 50 years old they said to him and you 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 say you've seen at Abraham verily I tell you Jesus answered before Abraham was born I am at this, they picked up stones to stone him. Oh, yeah. They flipped. They yeah. flipped their lids on that one because they knew what he was saying. That was that was on no uncertain terms. In their mind, he was claiming to be God. Right? And I, fi- I find it funny because in, in, with, in we talked about this many times before about the Christophanies. So, like, in this instance, would this not be a Christophany? Where is this not Christ talking to him through the bush? Am I correct? I know Joe. Joe didn't. Joe speak about that. Joe, can you talk about that for a little bit about the angel of the Lord, the phrase "angel of the Lord"? Yeah, that um, when you look at the instances in which you see the specific phrase "the angel of the Lord," you see a heightened sense of authority behind the words that that this figure is using, and that when you look at each one of these, I believe it's in uh, Genesis 16 was the one that I had saw that was especially interesting to me that you see um, this, this representation where uh, you're going a step beyond the kind of authority or stance or positioning that you would see otherwise angels depicted in. Okay, so I have I have 16, verse 9. Is that correct? It says, the angel of the Lord said to her. Is that right? Yeah, yeah the, story, the, the story of Hagar. Yes, okay. So the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself un, under her hand. And this, this is a whole story. You guys can go back to our previous episodes in season two and uh, see this all the way back to chapter 16 in, in Genesis and see a lot of the details. But... So what, are, are you saying that it seems as though that that quote-unquote angel of the Lord could be as Christophany? Yes. Okay, okay. So, and that's where I'm, I'm kind of going with that with the, the angel, because here it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the burning bush. So I, what I find interesting is that if it's if this is a Christophany, in fact, what Christ showing himself before he's Jesus Christ, and he is saying, I am who I am. In other words, he's saying, I am the self-existent one. 
I am the cause of all causes. And now fast forward all the way back, all the way forward to when Jesus was on trial. And he, once again, is the same one who is saying, I am. And Jesus here shows the importance because, you know, right here, um, God saying to Moses, I am who I am. Jesus says why this now holds merit, because before there was Abraham, I am. And so for them that are growing up knowing the stories of the God of Abraham, that I am would resonate with them because before Abraham was I am. So that makes sense now that that those two words would would cause such a movement from the, the leaders of the Israelites. Oh, this resonates home with me because how many times are you know do we feel called to do something, but we can come up with every excuse in the world of why not to do it. And, and here, what we find here, though, is before God even gave Moses the specifics of the, the, the plan in front of him, right? Moses answered the call and went up and climbed up the mountain, took those steps, went to that burning bush and talked to it, right? He, he already answered the call, but now he's on the phone with God, basically, and having the conversation. And now God's bringing him the details and this is like what you're saying. Oh, oh, you want me to do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, that doesn't play into my five-year goal, guys. Right, yeah, so. this isn't my five-year plan. <laughs> right, excellent, guys. Uh, I'll go ahead and lead us out in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time to, to uh, really dig deep into your word in the story of Moses and how you are going to save the Israelites, Father. And uh, how this applies to our lives today, Jesus. Uh, I pray that you'll send your Holy Spirit to give us all a better understanding of what we've just read. And that uh, you'll help us to, during our, our week, you'll help us to take the time to meditate upon this. And uh, how you can uh, help, our own, help us in our own lives, Father. And we can make decision for you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, this has been Justin. This is Tom. This has been Sully. This has been Joe. This is Susanna. Thanks, guys, for joining us today, and we will see you later. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. Also, each week, Biblical Chili goes live on YouTube. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube... Just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. We also want to make sure we give a shout out to one of our co-hosts, Joe, who's a host on BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you. <laughs>